When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for part three of the mailbag on this holiday weekend. So to answer your questions with me, my friend who covers the Jets for JetNation.com, site where he is the editor, Mr. Glenn Naughton. And Glenn, before we jump back into the mailbag, I was thinking about something you said to end yesterday's show about whether or not Woody Johnson has been doing some meddling. I don't think that it's Woody who's telling Joe Douglas to go get these pieces to make Aaron Rodgers happy. I think Joe Douglas just understands that's how this dynamic works. So does Robert Sala, that Aaron Rodgers is the guy that holds their employment in his hands, and so they better do what he wants because they need to make sure that they put as many pieces out there that he's comfortable with as they can so that he'll have the best chance for success or at least... If he's happier, better chance that he's happy and keeping him happy is a big part of the Jets' potential to have success. So I don't think it's Woody necessarily telling them to go do what Rodgers wants. I think they just sort of understand that that's how it has to be. Next question comes in from J.P. Waxer. He asks, can Rome be built in a day? Meaning, can the Jets rebuild their offensive line in an offseason? I don't know that they're going to build it into an elite unit in an offseason. They can make it better. They can draft a couple of starters, hopefully, in the draft. We talked before about Powers Johnson, potentially, if he's there in the third and then maybe getting a tackle in the first. Maybe they can do something in free agency. Even if they just add one guy in the draft, that should make it better, but I don't think they're going to make it into an elite unit. Listen, if the Jets can at least get the offensive line to the point where it's serviceable, even if it's like the 20th best offensive line in the league, would be a huge improvement over what they had. It's not great, 
but it's something you can work with, I guess. Is it possible that they could do that, that they could get the O-line to somewhere in the 15 to 20 range? I don't see why it's impossible. I don't think it's going to be one of the best lines in the league, but to be fair, I don't think anybody realistically believes that that's possible, but if they can get it to a point where it at least can protect Aaron Rodgers to a reasonable degree and give him a chance, that should be all you're looking for at this point. Yeah, that's the question, right? If if, if we're talking, can they become a great unit? No, probably not, but... And, you know, as I mentioned in a previous question, Scott, it's it, AVT is such a big factor. And if AVT comes back and somehow manages to stay healthy, and if they have, I'm assuming they're drafting at least one tackle early. And then if they think, like, you look at Carter Warren, who I thought played his best game in the final game of the season. Yeah, I think his pass pro was was as good as we saw at any point. Um, he wasn't great as a rookie, but let's not forget, he missed all of his final season. Well, he played one or two games at Pitt got injured, missed that entire season, was obviously limited in his in what he could do in camp, um, played one preseason game, I think, and then didn't see the field again until, you know, what was it, week uh, week 12, week 11, when he finally got on the field. Um, and he looked good, not great. Um, I didn't expect great because he just had a year and a half, almost a two-year layoff, well, two full football season layoff. So he's a guy, I like them coming out. If they think he could be a tackle, and if they draft one and if AVT is healthy, that right there is huge. Um, so it is doable. It's it's going to come down to do you hit on at least one guy in the draft and does AVT stay healthy? If you do that, you, you're, you again, not going to have an elite line. As we talked about even before the Aaron Rodgers trade, you don't need elite when you've got Aaron Rodgers, or at least you haven't in the past. That's assuming Rodgers doesn't take any type of step back. If Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, you can win with a solid line. And with a healthy AVT hitting on a draft pick and perhaps Warren or someone like that emerging, you could have a solid line. Next question comes in from Scotter T. He asks, who will be the left tackle next year? Have a hard time believing Aaron Rodgers will want a rookie left tackle, a rookie right tackle, maybe, but I don't see it at left tackle. They may have to use a rookie at left tackle. It really depends on what they're able to do in free agency. We'll see. We talked about Becton before. If he comes back, maybe he's the left tackle, and maybe they get a right tackle in the draft. Perhaps they're able to get somebody in the draft that could play left or right. So you have somebody that plugs in at either position, depending on what you do in free agency. I'm not sure. I would expect one of the tackles to be occupied by a rookie, and I'm not going to rule out the left tackle spot being occupied by a rookie because it really depends on what else they're able to do. Yeah, that's the thing is, I mean, whether Aaron Rodgers likes it or not, they may not have an option. Um, you know, the, We've talked about the fact the free agent market isn't very deep. There are a couple of guys out there. I know that um, one guy who I mentioned the other day, and I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've heard his name a few times, Jonah Williams, tackle for the Bengals due to hit free agency. He's had some ups and downs there. If, you know, I'm, I haven't watched him extensively. I'm actually, you know, right now I'm looking at draft prospects. I'm going to go back and look at some free agents in the, in the coming weeks. But he's a guy per PFF anyway, and that's, you know, going to double check that and see my own opinion. But he was a better player when they had him at left tackle than right tackle. They flipped him back and forth a couple times, um, and his worst grades came on the right side. So if he's a serviceable veteran, you know, you've mentioned someone, somebody like Fant. And this is why, Scott, like this is why I'm not, well, maybe after the, Carter thing I'm changing my stance a little but I was kind of softening on the Becton thing like and this is only this is based solely on the fact the free agent market isn't that great and Becton isn't going to get the huge deal he was hoping for so we might see some of these guys come back but Rodgers may not have a choice whether it's a rookie a veteran there's not a lot of options out there 
So the Jets are going to be limited in who they can pursue, meaning Rodgers is going to be limited in, you know, being able to nitpick or dictate who's there. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Next question comes in from Mayor of NYC. He says, who are your favorite good guys and most likable villains from the six seasons of Justified? Ooh, I like this one. He says, here are my favorite good guys. Raylan, of course, Art Mullen, Tim Gutterson, Constable Bob, Trooper Tom Bergen, villains, Boyd Crowder, Wynn Duffy, Dewey Crow, Dickie Bennett. How about yours? Also, my favorite nasty villains are Mags Bennett, Avery Markham, Catherine Hale, Daryl Crow, and Ty Walker. Ooh, it's a good list. So... My favorite good guys, of course, everybody loves Raylan. You have to. Art was awesome. I loved Art so much. Nick Searcy's a great actor, and that character was tremendous. I did like Tim Gutterson, but they didn't give him a ton to do. I like Rachel a lot, but admittedly, part of that is because who doesn't think she was gorgeous? So that helped a lot in terms of her being one of the better good guys on the show. As far as the bad guys... Who didn't love Boyd? Boyd was the greatest. Win Duffy was awesome. You had to love Win Duffy. Jerry Burns was fantastic as that scheming, conniving guy behind the tough guys in the Dixie Mafia. He was fantastic. Mags Bennett was great too. An honorable mention to Loretta, played by Caitlin Deaver. I don't know if I would call her a good guy or a bad guy. She was sort of on the fence. There were times where she came off as a bad guy, and then there were times where she came off as a good guy. So she was sort of a tweener character. But to answer your question, yeah, I would say my favorite good guys, Tim was okay, but mostly Raylan Art and Rachel. Constable Bob was funny. Drew was also really good. That whole storyline was a lot of fun. That was where Art Mullen had one of my all-time favorite lines in Justify, where he said, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to admit that this guy is awesome. And I won't say more because if you haven't <laughs> seen the show, I don't want to spoil it for you. And then with the bad guys, Boyd has to be number one. Win Duffy was great. Mags Bennett. And then again, I'll put Ava Crowder in here in the tweener category with Caitlin Deaver. I wouldn't say she was a good guy or a bad guy, but she was also a beautiful woman. And she spiced up the show the same way that Erica Tazel did as Rachel. So that's my answer with that in terms of good, bad, and I guess in between with the characters on Justified. Yeah, that, I'll tell, that's a great question because it really, the cast, everybody was so good. Like there's really... There's not a season I didn't enjoy. There's not a cast member I didn't like. Um, it was a few, a couple things that were weird. Like I thought, I thought Sam Elliott was really good as Avery Markham. Um, it did freak me out though to keep seeing him without that beard. <laughs> that that kind of weirded me out. But I liked him, and of course, I think to me, I think Boyd Crowder is one of the best TV villains ever. That character was phenomenal. And yes, Raylan, you love on the you know listing on the good guy side. Um, agree with Win Duffy. He was hilarious. He had so many good moments. You know who won me over late, um, you know, with the, the drama that went on with him was Mikey. Um, you know, this kind of subdued guy who just did what he was told all the time. But then that, well, again, as you said, not to spoil too much, um, Mikey took a hard turn in the last few episodes. Um, and I, I enjoyed Limehouse. I thought Limehouse was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, recurring character. I was glad he became a regular. And just so many. You, you could really pick something you liked about everybody. I mean... Dewey and Dewey Crow and Dickie Bennett, like both so dumb and and some of the things they did, hilariously stupid, just great writing from the writers, just a fantastic show and and so many likable characters. Next question comes in from Day Kina. He asks Nick Saban to the Jets, who says no? Both sides would say no to that. I don't think Nick Saban is interested, and I also don't think the Jets would want to hire Nick Saban. We already saw Nick Saban in the NFL, didn't go all that well. 
And I think if Nick Saban were to take another job, it would probably be in broadcasting or something like that. He's not going to walk away from Alabama if he wants to still coach because it's not like they were ever going to get rid of him. So I would say both sides would say no to that. And if we see Nick Saban involved in football in any capacity again, it will probably either be in broadcasting or as some sort of special advisor to Alabama or something like that. Yeah, I think that... um. It's, you know, he's not starting fresh at his age in the NFL, a level where it's it's just a totally different ball game. You can't can't motivate guys like the way you can in college. You don't have impressionable young 18 and 19 year olds who are going to jump up and down when you give a speech like these are grown men. They, you know, it, it, it as you said, it didn't work the first time. Certainly wouldn't work this time. Um, wish him luck, though. Love what Saban did in college. Next question comes in from David Yaffe. He asks, is there any way that the Jets would consider firing Robert Sala and bringing in Pete Carroll or Mike Vrabel as their next head coach? I know that they said Sala would be back, but they may not have realized that those two guys would be available. No, that's not happening. First of all, let's not forget, Pete Carroll worked here already with the Jets. He was their head coach in 1994. I talked about this on the show the other day with Nick Faria, but look up the fake spike if you're unfamiliar. That was one of those situations where Leon Hess got impatient, decided he didn't want to keep the young guy who he thought had maturity issues, and so he went out and got a mature, experienced coach that he had a good relationship with to fix the situation and get the Jets to the next level. And, of course, that coach was Rich Kotite. So, sorry, Leon Hess, rest in peace, but that was maybe the worst decision you ever made in terms of being the owner of the Jets. But, no, Robert Sal is going to be here next year. Make your peace with it, whether you like it or not. I said this the other day on Twitter, and a lot of people, including Lenny Leonard, longtime wrestling announcer, tweeted gifts at me of Ric Flair because I said, whether you like it or you don't like it, learn to love it. That was one of Ric Flair's longtime catchphrases, but it applies here. Like it, don't like it, learn to love it, because Sal is going to be here in 2024. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I think we have to get past the idea of will he be replaced for this guy, that guy. It's just not happening. You know, they, they promised him he's coming back. Aaron Rodgers apparently likes him, and um, I would imagine Robert Sala's got a year left with the Jets, and then there'll be a, a new head coach search. You know, listen, if Joe Douglas goes out and finds him five or six more pro bowlers or all pros, maybe he can turn this thing around and maybe just – stay out of Aaron Rodgers' way and let him do his thing. But otherwise, I'm don't. I i I'm no longer in the camp that thinks Salah's a, a, a competent coach. I mean, could he change a million things and get there? Certainly. But right now, I just I don't think he's a pro coach, and he's, uh, he's here for at least one more year. Next question comes in from Seaweed. He asks, Jets question slash opinion. 2020 was the only year I rooted for losses because I wanted the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence. I always root for wins. Trevor hasn't lived up to the hype, and I'm curious what the narrative would be if the Jets had gotten Trevor Lawrence and he played as poorly as he has. Kind of know the answer, but I'm curious to hear your opinion. Well, I would dispute that Trevor Lawrence has played poorly. And there was a video circulating the other day. I think he inherits put the video out with like 12 passes that should have been caught for touchdowns that went off of guys' hands. People were joking that Calvin Ridley should buy Trevor Lawrence a Ferrari this offseason to make up for what happened. But if you look at Trevor Lawrence in most of these categories, it's not like he's been a bust. He's been a very good quarterback. He just hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype. People thought that he was going to be a top three quarterback, that he'd be in the discussion with somebody like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. He hasn't gotten there yet. Now, that's not to say that it can't happen but even so if we say that he's a top 10 to 12 quarterback 
that's a bust to you, fine. Disappointing, maybe. But if you wouldn't sign up for that as a Jets fan, I don't know what to tell you. Now, if you want to argue that if he was on the Jets, people would be talking more and more about how he hasn't lived up to expectations, sure. But I wouldn't classify what he's done as playing poorly. I mean, the Jets have had one 4,000-yard passer in their entire history, and it was in 1967. Trevor Lawrence just did it. So it's not like he's been a bust at all. It's just that he hasn't been quite as generational as people thought that he would be. I also think that his supporting cast has let him down to an extent. But again, to say that he's played poorly is wrong. But yes, I do think that if the Jets had drafted Trevor Lawrence and he'd been a bit on the disappointing side, we'd be hearing about it a lot more because that's just the way it goes with the national media. They love to shine the spotlight on the Jets, especially when things aren't going well. Yeah, I don't think he's been bad. And it's funny when you as soon as you were started reading that question, I thought that I saw that same video the other day and the number of drop touchdowns they had. It was absolutely nuts. Um, and look, and, and let's not forget, young guy, he's been in the league a few years now, but we see more and more like you hear guys like Tom Brady. You hear Tom Brady say five, six years ago, seven years ago, and and he wasn't lying. Like the numbers backed it up. He's like, I'm still getting better. He's like, the more I see. The number, you know, the number of reps as the reps go up, the experience goes up. The the you know, how did he say it? It he said, I'm I'm at an age now where I feel like I have the answers to the test before it starts. And he just kept getting better. So even though Trevor Lawrence, if you want to say at this moment he's not as good as you thought he might be, he's still very good and could still continue to improve. Yeah, no question. That's sort of the point. Disappointing, sure. Bad, no. And I think there's definitely a distinction there, but For sure, if he hadn't lived up to the expectations the way that he hasn't lived up to them in Jacksonville, but he was on the Jets, we'd be hearing a lot more about it. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He asks, are there any toppings or combinations of toppings on pizza you've never tried that you want to? No, I've tried pretty much everything that I've wanted to try in terms of pizza toppings. Oh, no, actually, I take it back. I've never tried artichoke pizza, and I've heard it's good. That's the only thing. Everything else that I've wanted to try, I've pretty much tried. How about you, Glenn? Uh, when it comes to pizza, I'm I'm a traditionalist. Like, if it wasn't a topping 20 years ago, I ain't trying it now. Um, I just won't. Um, some things in life you don't mess with. Pizza's one of them. Give me sausage, pepperoni, mushroom, extra cheese, all that stuff. But I'm not putting lettuce and 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 uh, pineapples and chunks of of ham with even. I'm not. I'm not even don't even care for ham on pizza um so no i'm a traditionalist guy i've had pizza's the perfect food i've had everything on it that i'll ever need i'm good to go pesto pizza is amazing i'm just throwing that out there and for anybody I'm sorry pesto pizza pesto pizza is tremendous if you've ever okay see now that i would have to try oh for sure dude and i'm telling dude, you pesto is one of those things and I, I say this you know every every now and then something happens to you in your life where you're like how am I this old and I didn't know this was a thing? Like, I don't think I tried pesto for the first time until I started dating my wife about 12, 13 years ago, <laughs> and she put it on something. I was, I just stared at it. And I was like, why have I never tried this thing? And now there is, I, I may have had it on pizza, actually, now that you mention it, because pesto was amazing. It's great. And pesto pizza is a specialty at Danny's House of Pizza in Kew Gardens. So for anybody that's near Kew Gardens or can drive to Kew Gardens, you can go to Danny's House of Pizza. They've been around for like 60, 70 years, and pesto slices are their specialty. Out of this world good. 
the thing is too they're open to like three in the morning so you could show up there at like midnight and see a line around the block theoretically i will give you this tip though and glenn this goes for you the next time you come to new york if you go to danny's house of pizza no matter what you do do not order a pie you get slices, that's it. Because if you ask for a pie, it's going to take like two hours. I have no idea why, but they take really? forever to make pies. I have no understanding of why that is. By the way, Danny's House of Pizza should be paying me for this because I'm giving them free advertising. But trust me, you should check them out. They're awesome. And those pesto slices are great. Their cheese slices are good too. Usually I'll get a pesto slice and a cheese slice. Depending on how hungry I am, I might get more than that, but I'll start with that usually when I go there. That's going to wrap up part three of the weekend mailbag on this holiday weekend. I hope you're having a great Martin Luther King Day. Make sure that you check out everything that Glenn is doing over at JetNation.com and follow him on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com. Follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.